It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We're the only country that comes up with a name for fun. Crack. It's blackguarding. It's scutting. It's no harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. Bad time for all these people. And it's always a good-hearted person to change them. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with P. I was watching that snooker last night, dinner on the lap, ready to tuck in to a snooker match and a bit of curry. And then this happened and I was, I don't mind telling you, I don't mind telling you, I was furious. I was furious. Someone needs to sit these fellas down and say, if you want to get people on side with what you believe in the world, that's fine. You want to bring people on side with where you stand on oil and climate and anything like that or animal rights, whatever. You need to stop interfering with the stuff that those people love. Oh, if I... The lucky man he didn't do it at an MMA bout, I'd say. Or he's also a lucky man that someone like Ronnie O'Sullivan wasn't in the in the theatre at the time because he might have found another use for a snooker cue. But anyway... It is what it is and it was what it was. I was fairly annoyed by it. 0818969696. Good morning to you. The text to WhatsApp 083 396 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. As I was driving home yesterday, I was listening to the information filtering out from the special criminal court where they were delivering the verdict. Three judges uh, led by Justice Tara Burns were reading the verdict in the case against Jerry the Monk Hutch and of course to do with the Regency shooting and the evidence of Jonathan Dowdall and as the tweets leaked out and as the information leaked out through the various news outlets I said to myself I was going home to only about 20 to 2 or quarter to 10 to 2 I said he's going to walk he is going to walk. I just got that sense that the monk was going to walk. He was going to be found not guilty. That is exactly what happened. It's giving rise to all sorts of questions this morning as to was he even facing the right charge? What on earth went on? Why did the state rely so much on the evidence of a 
convicted torturer and known liar and perjurer, Jonathan Dowd. Why on earth did all these things happen at the Special Criminal Court? And joined by Stephen Green, or Stephen Breen, rather, the uh, crime editor of the Irish Sun and author of a number of books on organised crime, including the cartel. Uh, Stephen, good morning. Were you good morning, halfway through the reading of that verdict? Were you like me? Were you expecting him to be to be acquitted? I was like you, PJ. I think everyone in, in the whole country was gripped by that uh, news yesterday. You know, when it started to come through, obviously there was there were threads and social media and, and uh, websites were updating it as uh, it was being played out to the court. But I think uh, once uh, the, the court indicated that they would need something stronger, they would need to corroborate uh, Jonathan Dowdall's testimony, the, the allegations that he'd made, the witness statement that he'd made, um, I think people knew that, you know, Hutch was going to walk from this because, you know, the reality is obviously the DPP had felt they had enough evidence to bring charges against Jerry Hutch in the first place. Mm. But I think they were quite restricted in the sense that their prosecution case rested on him and their chief allegation was that he was a gunman. He was one of the men dressed in the uh, ARU uniforms and who had fired the shots into uh, David Byrne. But uh, unfortunately, with Jonathan Dowdall's evidence, uh, that wasn't maintained, that wasn't established. And I I think the court was left with no other option but to clear uh, Jerry Hodge Mm. because they couldn't prove beyond reasonable doubt that he was that gunman. Yeah, going through the various newspaper reports this morning, you're, you're all included, Stephen. There's mm-hmm. a few questions that come up. Like the, the 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 court was certain that the Hutch family orchestrated and organised yes. this entire thing, and yeah. um, that you, th- there was no doubt in their mind that he knew what was going on. He understood what was planned. Uh, he, mm-hmm. but but he. But he wasn't actually one of the shooters, which begs the question, why on earth was he charged with that? Well, I think that's a question that the DPP will have to answer. Um, I know they're very reluctant to comment uh, in the past and the reason why they take uh, criminal prosecutions. Obviously, the Guardi presented a, their investigation file to the DPP. They It was based on the 10 hours of recordings between Jerry Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall when they made their trip north and they were talking about various aspects of, of the Regency. But there was no excuse upon, no smoking gun. There, there was no definitive answer. There was nothing on the tapes for, for Jerry Hutch admitting that he was there. And obviously, Dowdall decided to come forward and, and be a state witness, you know, uh, just before the trial. But the reality is he was someone who was heavily immersed in organised crime. And uh, the, 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 the court just didn't accept his testimony and, and didn't believe him uh, of what he was saying because of his previous conviction for torturing uh, an individual. And, and also, he'd proven to be a liar in the past. So... But the, the DPP, I think, should uh, answer those questions. The, the, obviously, yesterday's uh, verdict does leave uh, a lot of questions uh, to be answered. And, and, and some of those questions include, you know, if the court indicates yesterday that Jerry Hutch had control of the weapons used in the incident, why wasn't he charged with possession of these very dangerous firearms? Why wasn't he charged with participating in an organised crime gang or indeed directing an organised crime gang? Mm. Because they have indicated yesterday that it was the Hutch family who orchestrated the um, yeah. The, the Regency. And there's enough there to say that that is a fact. Stephen, let's talk about some of the main players, and you've written extensively, not just in the newspapers, but in your own books about these people. Mm-hmm. Talk to me, and 
tell my listeners in Cork about Jerry Hutch, a man who I once almost knocked down on a garage forecourt in Ballybock, by the way. <laughs> I did, but... Well, I'm glad you missed it. I did, yeah. It's my friend that had a roar out of her. Jesus, stop! Well, you're lucky. She nearly knocked down the monk. But tell me about him first. Well, Jerry Hutch is this notorious figure. He's someone who's been associated with organised crime for almost four decades. He's from the north inner city area of uh, Dublin. He got involved in petty crime when he was younger. And then as a teenager, he became the leader of a guy known as the Bugsy Malone guy. And they were notorious for low-level robberies and, and things like that. But then, he, as he got older, uh, the Gardaí's belief is that he progressed uh, into a serious organised crime. And look, he's never been convicted uh, of any serious uh, offence. And, and that included you know, in 1987, there was a, a secure core uh, cash and transit van that was robbed, 1.7 million Irish pounds at that time. In 1995, he was considered to be the mastermind behind a uh, a three million uh, raid in in, in Clonshock. So, but he's someone who Gardy believe would be very meticulous, uh, would be very uh, astute and, and very shrewd, and and he's, he's so well known in the North Inner City. He's revered in the North Inner City. Where I spoke to some residents yesterday, who they're all delighted that he got off of this because they see him as this figure, as an ordinary decent criminal who has indeed um, helped the local community there. Of course he's paid money to 1.2 million to the Criminal Assets Bureau in, in 1999 and um, he's just so well known in that area and obviously that the north inner city of Dublin was, was destroyed by the Kinnahan cartel, you know, in the early days of the, the Kinnahan Hutch feud and, but he, he would be seen as someone of a criminal royalty and someone who, who's up there uh, in terms of what we talk about the history of Gangland in Ireland. He's one of the key figures. Connected to dozens if not hundreds of crimes but himself with with barely a decent conviction to his name yeah, I mean, he served time in prison for robberies, and that, that was it. And when he walked out of prison in 1985, he said he, he wouldn't go back, and he hasn't been in prison. So the first time that he has been uh, is when um, he was arrested uh, by the, the the Spanish authorities and, and sent back to Ireland to stand trial. He lives in, in a, a mega villa in Spain. Uh, now talk to us about Jonathan Dowdall. His name was brought to my attention a few years ago mm-hmm. by a journalist friend uh, from Dublin at the mm-hmm. time and, and I was told uh-huh. quietly one night in a private message, watch this fella, there may be trouble ahead. Wow. Who Who is yeah. or was or is Jonathan Dowdall? And again, Jonathan Dowdall, is, his family would also be from the, the north inner city. His family would have been market traders and would have known the Hutch family. He wouldn't have known Jerry Hutch uh, per se much growing up, but he, he would have been close to uh, Patsy Hutch, uh, Jerry Hutch's brother. He was an electrician. He was a businessman. He, he was doing well. And then he, he got involved in, in Republican politics. Um, he, he joined Sinn Féin. Um, he made a, a 1,000 euro donation to Sinn Féin. And then indeed, he, he acted as a councillor for two years uh, with Sinn Féin uh, until you know he he was um, forced uh, from the party because of concerns over his criminal activities and of course he, he received a sentence um, for torturing an individual over the sale of a motorbike and brought this individual into his home and waterboarded him and you know it really was quite vicious and but he's, he's the same individual who also went on uh, live line and said he wasn't involved in organised crime but again when we look at the Regency there are four people now serving sentences for their involvement in this incident and he's one them so he, he was this character who was also seen as a Walter Mitty type character and then again only he can answer why he decided to come forward but because of his previous background the, the, the court just didn't believe that the lies that he told. Yeah now the state did a deal with him uh, to turn evidence and he's going to go into witness mm-hmm. protection and he still gets all of that now 
at whatever cost it is to yeah. the taxpayer, even though the special criminal court has said, we can't rely on this guy, he's a liar. He still gets yeah, this well, protection. He, he does. Like, he goes into the witness protection, and but he'll still be looking over his shoulder for the rest of his life. I mean, it's 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 not a great life. Yeah. Witness protection. His whole family uh, will have been uprooted. You know, he still has relatives in Dublin as well. And even when this trial was ongoing, and um, a number of, of his relatives um, had received death threats, and you know, I know a local councillor there who had obviously been also liaising with the Gardaí because he had concerns for extended family members of the adults. But you know, he made the decision to come forward, but. It, 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 his evidence just didn't stack up and again the, the, the court the special criminal court were quite scathing mm. of his evidence and just couldn't rely on that alone to convict Jerry Hutch of this offence They didn't have anything there to corroborate So to summarise finally Stephen the people who will have questions to answer the office of the DPP possibly the Gardaí mm-hmm. themselves as well for pursuing this line and not something else Yeah yeah, well, look, the Gardaí issued a statement earlier on saying that they obviously they, they, they take note of the verdict at the Special Criminal Court and they are actively investigating the Regency Hotel. Now, obviously, we have four people here now uh, in custody who are now being convicted in relation to this offence. You have one individual, Kevin Murray, who passed away and he was photographed uh, with, a, with a, a handgun at the Regency. He obviously would have been charged as well, but there are still those individuals who were dressed up as the ERU members on that day who have yet to be brought before the courts. They've never been identified. Obviously, the state alleged that Jerry Hutch was one of those individuals. The Special Criminal Court rejected that. So there, there are questions to answer and it will be up to the DPP if, they, if they're going to be accountable and if they can tell you know the people of Ireland you know why this case was brought or why, not, why they didn't bring any other charges against Jerry Hutch. All right, Stephen, thank you very much. Stephen Breen, uh, crime editor of the Irish Sun, uh, author of a number of books, including uh, The Cartel, on the acquittal, uh, on the charge of murder of Jerry the Monk Hutch, found not guilty of the murder of David Bourne. Uh, the court said, Ms. Justice Bournes, Tara Bournes, said the court found him not guilty of the offence of murder. And he walked from court a free man. His picture is all over the papers this morning, there's some great headlines. I, the Irish Sun has unhutchable, which I think is a fabulous headline. Um, I remember the day that story broke, and I remember the feud that followed it. And there's something like 17 or 18 people dead as a result of that feud. And yet, Jerry Hutch walks free. I'll tell you that story. I was in Ballybock in Dublin. I was up for a meeting, actually, to do with my adoption work. Uh, in in previous years and, and, and that kind of thing and I was driving a friend home to Marino and I was going to get me dinner so I was driving her home but anyway, I was driving my friend home to Marino and we stopped off because the car was running on the fumes in this there's a fabulous big forecourt service station type place I pulled in threw a few gallons of petrol into my car and it was just reversing out and she let a scream out of her hey stop and there's this little fella toddling behind the car. And she says, you just nearly knocked down the unk. Good job I didn't. 0818 96 96 96. Kate says, an awful lot of people wondered about the charges that were used. It would be great if they explained why they brought those charges. Yep, the Director of Public Prosecutions, I remember a man called Eamon Barnes, who was the Director of Public Prosecutions in a previous administration, going back quite a while now. And when he finished his time. 
he gave an interview to the late Marion Fanukin. I remember this interview like it was yesterday. And she put to him, how do you decide to bring a charge? And he said, well, my office decides and I get to sign off on it. But here's what happens. If a person is facing a charge, we ask ourselves three questions in the office of the DPP. Is there a case to be answered? Question number one. If the answer to that question is yes, second question is, well, is this a case we can win in court? Do we have the evidence to win this case in court? If the answer to the second question is yes, then the third question is, are our chances of winning greater than our chances of losing? In other words, is it worth going with this? Can we stick it? And only when the answer to those three questions is yes, do the DPP go back to the guards and say, yeah, charge him or charge her. That's roughly how it's done. Someone decided in the DPP's office to charge Jerry Hutch with murder. And the guards went with it and he was charged and we know what happened now. There were other things. Paul Williams is writing in The Independent this morning. Great piece has Paul. Paul goes through some of the other things that he could have been charged with, like possession of firearms, uh, membership of a criminal organisation, directing a criminal gang. He could have been charged with all sorts of things. All sorts of things. But he wasn't. He was charged with murder, a charge that they couldn't make stick because the only person they had to back it up was himself, a convicted torturer with a very murky past man called Jonathan Dowdall. 0818 96 96 96. Two giveaways all this week on the show. We're doing Snap the App. We'll be doing Snap the App today between 10 and 11. Okay? Snap the App between 10 and 11 today. You know what to do. Download the app, the 96mm app now. And when we, when we tell you, we'll be playing Snap the App. And we're back with our friends live at the Marquee, giving us tickets to a gig every day this week. Marquee starting in late May. Marquee is starting in 38 days from now. Today I have two tickets for the Waterboys to give away sometime between 11 and midday. Sometime between 11 and midday, I will drop a piece of audio of Mike Scott of the Waterboys. I'll, I'll play that for you now, and you won't hear it again until between 11 and midday. You can't tell me you heard it until between 11. I'll just drop it. I won't even tell you when. I'm interested in being good. That's much more important to me than selling a lot of records. Of course, I'd like to sell a lot of records, but I'm only really interested in selling records if the records are good and I believe in them. Then I'll be happy. You're hearing that again between 10 and 11. That's your chance to go see the Waterboys live at the market. KCN Ross in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On Cork's 96FM. It's a Monday game time. It's celebrities and anything to do with food. I Adrian's one here. Kevin Double Bacon Cheeseburger. Yeah. Brad Pitterbread. Good. Uh, Goujon de Paul. Goujon de Paul. <laughs> Stephen Fry up. Yeah. John Cleason Onion Pie. <laughs> The nail in the coffin that says I've beaten Cork in the Punday game. Three in Gokwan. <laughs> yes! Take them on, my friend. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Cork's 96 FM. So, Jory got in touch with the opinion line over the last few days. 
So I'm going to read you a couple of paragraphs from a letter um, that seems to be doing the rounds of where Jody lives. I'm not going to say where that is just now. Some people might recognise it, some people not. It says, The cost of living puts heavy loads on us that are sometimes hard to carry. Food, fuel and housing have become so expensive that it's a real challenge to make ends meet. The ant is carrying the load on her own, but we are offered help. Did you know the Bible contains practical advice that can help us cope with challenging circumstances, including rising food prices? The Bible also gives us hope for a permanent solution. God will soon bring an end to unfair economic conditions and this world divide. He will make sure that everyone will have plenty to eat. There's a beautiful picture of the plenty that will be enjoyed when God makes his promises come through. It says, it quotes the Bible, a psalm, there will be the abundance of grain on the earth on top of the mountains. It will overflow. That is a letter, Jody, that you found in your hallway uh, in, in the last few days. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, uh, it was Friday, Friday morning we got it and um, not sure where it came from or who sent us, but mm. um, so I was a bit, a small bit irritated by it. Uh, and I think a few other people in the area might have gotten similar um, similar letters over the past over the past while. There is a name on it, but we're not going to read that name out. The content yeah. of it, look, it's religious. It's it's innocuous enough, but, but what bothered yeah. you? I think, well... I suppose it was a bit creepy, like, um, just anything religious coming through the door. And I mean, we're not an atheist or anything like that, but still anything that's, that's been put in your letterbox is a bit, small bit in your face, I think. But the fact that this was handwritten, um, I just found the whole thing a small bit, small bit creepy. Because yeah. um, so, initially uh, I thought it was just a photocopy of a letter that somebody had written once and copied, but yeah. it seems as if, and I think other people around you have got it too, every copy is handwritten. Yeah, and that's the, that's the bit I find a bit unnerving. Like it's you know, and I'm not really sure. I mean, it's you know, there is a there is a website at the end of the letter, so and it's it is Jehovah's Witnesses. That's where the website will lead you to. So I see. That you know, but I mean, still and all, like I'd have expected something, you know, printed or I mean, the fact that it's kind of almost personalised um, is uh, yeah. It, it, that's just uh, strange. But as you say, I, I posted it to the local notice board on Facebook and a few people got back saying they had similar things. Not on the same day, but, you know, recently enough. Mm. And as I say, reading through it, it's it's not offensive in any way. It's, no, no, you know, it's innocuous. Like, yeah. so, someone very dedicated to their faith and possibly would, yeah. would hope that you might join them in that dedication. Did, did you see it as some kind of a... Conversion letter or turn to God letter? So. Or? Yeah, kind of. Um, I mean, it could, like it, it, as you say, probably someone not not out to do any harm uh, or anything like that. And um, maybe I was just in a bad mood on Friday. Like, but I don't know. I, I still in all, like, I think you know, to be going around trying to convert people. I I'd imagine had we, see we were out. We 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 weren't at home. Yeah. Um. I mean, had we been at home. Um, and and actually met the person. I mean, you know, like you don't really want to be dealing with that. It didn't come. It didn't have a stamp on it. It wasn't posted. No, just hand. No, no. It was, and and I think the note on the front of the envelope, thrown it away now. But I think it said, "Sorry, we missed you." Um, 
So the whole the whole thing was just a bit odd, you know. Yeah. If if it is traceable back to the Jehovah's, then it sounds like someone's trying to deliver a watchtower. And look, they are still doing that. I, I had them at my house only about six or eight months ago, and I found them very pleasant people. And I just said, look, dads, I've no interest. In that fact, I had a friend, still have a friend, he lives in Wales now, who, who is a Jehovah's Witness, um, right. my electrician for many years. And we used to have long, long discussions about faith and all that, but never once tried to convert me either. Yeah, I suppose there's a difference between you know, a conversation between two friends and, and someone yeah. coming to your door trying to sell it to you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Were your parents upset by it? I just, the mother was a bit taken aback by it. I suppose this, she'd have gotten that type of thing before, but it's been a long time since anything like that came through the letterbox, you know? Yeah. yeah. I wonder what, who else got it and maybe someone would, would know where it's coming from. As I said, there is a name on it. We're, we're, we're not mentioning that for now. But it's, yeah. it's, and if the person who wrote it is listening and would like to, to come on air and talk about it, then they're more more than free to do so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's as I say, it's innocuous enough. It's nothing, it's nothing threatening or anything like that. It was just it was uh, enough for me to post it to the notice board on Friday. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was you know more odd than upsetting. Like you know, it's, I think it's so. Only a, kind of an unusual an unusual bit of post we thought we might be past those days where people would be trying to convert via the front door but we're not Jody, thank you thanks PJ did anyone else get that that letter as I said I read a couple of paragraphs from it before we started there and it's handwritten it's in two colours there's one there's a quote for Sam and it is written in a different ink and it would appear from what Jody's been able to find out that Every single copy of it is handwritten on fresh note paper in two colours. That's someone really dedicated to the cause. And yes, it does quote the website jw.org, which is the Jehovah's Witness own website, own official website. Is it an invasion of privacy? Do you find it offensive? Is it how would you feel if you got that letter? Is it is it is it harmless enough? Do you just scrunch it up and put it in the bin if you're not interested? Your your own thoughts welcome at oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. The Jehovah's Witness and other faiths, other faiths, every faith I guess has been trying to you know convert people to their way of thinking for many years. I seem to remember there used to be a prayer in the church, the Catholic Church, one time for the conversion of Russia. Do you remember that? Whatever you do about converting people by, or bringing people on side by way of an innocuous letter in your front door, I don't think you'll ever win anybody across to your side of an argument by doing something utterly stupid like this. trying to enjoy the snooker. I've never seen anything like this in 25 years of watching or working on the Crucible Theatre snooker. That's uh, television commentator and uh, arena MC, one of the most lovable uh, people, people in the sport, Rob Walker, commentating there on the moment when this guy ran out of the crowd at the Crucible Theatre, hopped up on... The, the table and opened up this bag of orange dust, which, which could have been anything. We think it was some kind of dye. Destroyed the table. The table had to be taken out of service and had to be stripped down and pretty much rebuilt uh, last night because you couldn't possibly play on it. You couldn't possibly 
clean it. On the other table, his his cohort didn't manage to get up onto the table because Olivia Martinez, who's the referee on the night, grabbed the other protester and bodily prevented her from getting onto uh, the table. But they were just stop oil people. And I was sitting this dinner on the lap, waiting to enjoy a game of snooker, and this happened. And I thought, if you ever wanted me to even listen to your arguments, you've just lost me by doing that. Same with the idiots at the Grand National on Saturday. Same with the fools who glue themselves to streets and stop people going about their daily business. You don't win any support by doing that. You really don't. And I hope they throw the book at those two morons at the crucifix. It's the same with the Catholic Church, says Kieran, begging for money every week with a collection plate in your face. This is in reference to the letter that Jody got. Should be outlawed, as should be all begging on the street. I don't give money anymore to the church. Do you mean, Kieran, the collection within the church when you go into Mass or the church gate collections outside? I uh, don't know. I got a watchtower around Easter, dropped off by what appeared to be a young family. Polite enough. Yeah, the fellows who came to my door six or eight months ago were very polite. And I said, look, guys, you're wasting your time here. I'm, And I mentioned the fact that I'd had a friend uh, who is a member of the faith. And we talked for many, many hours, me and Mick, about the Jehovah's Witnesses and how he converted to it and all of that. And, you know, we, we, we talked faith and talked belief for many hours while he worked on my house. We worked on the house together. Um, but but I, I just wasn't interested in their watchtower. And they said, thank you very much for your time. God be with you and all that kind of thing. And they walked away. Um, we got them handwritten, the letters. We got them handwritten in the post box. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. I just put it in the bin. It's part of their work to spread the good news, to write and send the letters. Your man would need to calm down a bit. It's not personal, so they haven't a clue who he is. They just randomly call into doors, says Ashley. Yep, you put it in the bin. I I think Jody didn't so much take offence, was innocuous enough. He just said, is this still going on in in 2022 or 2023? And what he found a tiny bit creepy, Ashley, a tiny bit creepy was that the person seems to, seems to have gone to the trouble of individually writing every single letter by hand in quite... Nice, legible handwriting. Very small, but quite legible. And carefully written. And slowly, and a lot of care taken, and a little drawing of a flower on it, and all that. Seems to have done this individually. That's what Kiran found just a small little bit creepy. 0818 96 96. 96. Corks 96 FM is giving away free money. Free money. have to do is snap the app. Download. Step one. Download the Quirks 96 FM app to your phone. Step two. Snap a screenshot. Step three. What's up in to win? What's up in to win? Stay listening from 6am weekdays for your chance to play. Take me where you are. Snap the app. Your ticket to free money. We've got thousands to give away. On Cork's 96 FM. You don't need me to tell you, far greater minds than I have discussed for a long time, the issue with addiction to or dependency on coding in this country. Primetime did a very good program back in February 
I think it was, but that wasn't the first. There were others. Newspaper articles. I've spoken over the years to people like my, my pal Dr. Nick Flynn and others to do with addiction to codeine, um, which is in products that people take for period pain, back pain, things like Nurofen Plus, Salpidine, which is probably the greatest over-the-counter painkiller known to man. I would never be, and I say this before I even go where I'm going, I would never be without some Salpidine in the house because when my back, or my neck rather, gives me trouble, there's a certain pain that I need to go to my Cairo for her to sort it, but until such time as I can get there, the only thing that will take the edge off the pain is Salpidine, and I always have someone in the house for, for that kind of thing. But it is very, very easy to get addicted or dependent on it. It is highly addictive. It is being misused. Laura Dowling, uh, known on Instagram as the fabulous pharmacist, joins me. Laura, it is a problem. Um, you prefer to call it dependency rather than addiction. And we'll start there. Why? Good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. Uh, thanks for having me on. I prefer to call it dependency, I suppose, because it's a less pejorative word. And it's actually what 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 it means is that the body is dependent upon the use of the drug. And as a result, then someone might experience withdrawal symptoms if they uh, reduce off the drug too quickly or if they go cold turkey. Yeah, it's more frighteningly common, actually, that people do become dependent after. And that's even more after quite a short period of time. Yes, they they can um, they can become quite dependent on it, or they can experience withdrawal symptoms to it after being on it for a short period of time, such as a number of days. However, I do think that we need to uh, take into uh, you know account the overall context of this. You just said yourself that you always have a, a, you know a box of of a painkiller that has codeine in it in the house because you you get a neck pain occasionally and and and, and it takes the edge off mm, until I can and get to see my chiropractor who'll sort it for me. Yeah, yeah, and we need to be really mindful of the fact that there are many many people like you that either need it for like you said period pain or dental pain and their behaviour their their use of it is is responsible. They use it when they need it and then they they, they stop taking it when when the pain goes and that's responsible use and and it's good that those people can access that medication as a result of that and what I would worry about with with the newspaper articles that are coming out about uh, the dependency issues with it is that the the government make an overall decision a very quick decision to put all prescription uh, put all OTC codeine over the counter and then people won't be able to access that without going to the doctor that will put a burden on our GP services on our hospital services but what it will also do it will put a a burden on our addiction services because we need to really take a look at things and consider the fact that there is a minority of people that are dependent on this drug and if they can't access it they need support in being able to come off it. So they need to go and access their doctor uh, for a proper weaning program. They need other resources such as addiction care and counselling. And I just don't think that our health services is capable of providing those services. Mm. You know, and I think that we've seen over the years um, knee-jerk reactions to issues being made. So, for instance, even the caravan issue that I've been discussing Ad, ad nauseum, um, for want of a better word, it, Caravan was made yeah. uh, a, a big deal was made about the fact that it, it came it, it was made available to all pregnant women uh, just before Christmas. But in actual fact, those women had to access their obstetrician in order to access it, That's and right. that wasn't yeah. foreseen. So, 
So those women were put under extra stress in order to try and, and access their medication. So we really need proper roundtable discussions with the necessary professionals there. So pharmacists, addiction specialists, mm-hmm. pain specialists, in order to, if, if something like this is going to occur, that it's done correctly, properly, and yeah. with the, uh, the the public in mind always. There are many parts of the world, I, I think particularly of, of Spain and, and Greece. Spain, you can get ibuprofen up to 600 megs over the counter. You can get as much paracetamol as you can lay your hands on. But you won't get codeine over the counter in Spain. You won't get it over the counter in Greece, I'm not too sure about France, you will get it in in the UK, you'll get it here after being questioned. What, and in Australia, I know they put it on prescription only in 2018. What's the view of the profession, the pharmacist's profession, Laura, on where we might, where we see this going? So, so I, I can't speak for my profession on a wide, on a, on a, on a general basis because okay. we, I haven't had roundtable discussions with them. But I do know that pharmacists, we like to be able to give people support and care when they need it. We do acknowledge that there are people with dependency issues, but the vast majority of people use the coding responsibly. And, and there was a, a newspaper article there a number of weeks ago, and it quoted that the the coding sales had increased by. Um, 14, 11% in Ireland. and But that is taken, in, if you take that in the wider contract text, actually analgesic use without codings, so that's your painkillers such as ibuprofen and paracetamol, they increased by 28%. So people are more willing to self-medicate now. Uh, we have an ageing population. We have uh, GPs and hospitals that are under um, an awful lot of strain. So people are looking to self-medicate. And there are waiting lists for pain clinics and pain specialists that are years long for people. So we, we, we really need to be mindful of that. I think we can look to other countries and say, oh, yes, well, you can't, you can't get coding in that country. But does that country possibly have a better healthcare system than Ireland or yeah. more access, yeah. easier access to care? If, if you're possibly. in pain in so, any of those other countries, how quickly will you yeah. get to see someone who knows what to do for you? And the answer is much faster. Well, well exactly. Well, exactly. And then also, I think it, it, it's, it's, it's worth bearing in mind as well. There's a, there's a drug called methanemic acid. It's known, the brand name is Ponston, and it's yeah. a product that is, is prescription only in Ireland. It's very cheap. It's prescription only. It's excellent for period pain, but people cannot get that over the counter. So women that need a product that's uh, stronger than ibuprofen or paracetamol for period pain, um, that can reduce blood flow and also help with cramping, they could take Ponston a couple of days before their period, and they could it could really reduce the, the symptoms of, of the period pain. I didn't, I didn't that's know not Ponst- available to these women. I didn't know Ponston was gone prescription only. I, I know that... She, no, it's, it's always been prescription oh, only. Okay. Ponston has always been prescription oh, I didn't, only. So, I didn't know that, so, Laura. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Feminax, so I, Femi- to- it's almost impossible to get Feminax now, I believe. Well, Feminax you cannot get anymore. And I have an awful, I have an awful gripe with that too. It, it's not available at all anymore. And it, it was excellent for period pain. So women, it has three um, analgesics in it. So it has um, paracetamol, codeine, and it also has an anti-cramping, buscopan, and it has caffeine. And it's excellent for period pain. And women would have come in and, and used that uh, for a couple of days and it would have got them over their period pain and that was it. But then they had no alternative. So um, they are using salpidine. They are using neurofemplosive necessary. So I think that it's really important. We need to be very mindful that the vast majority of people use these medicines correctly and responsibly. There is a minority that we that need help and they need care and they need support and love. But we need to we need to be minding everyone and we can't have a knee jerk reaction. 
make a, a blanket decision without mm. due consideration for the knock-on effects. As, as I said, I always have a stock of it in the house for when it comes at me, but, you know, the, the, the doctor who writes the prescription for me once a year, just to keep a jar of it in the house, he always says to me, look, just be careful, PJ, no more than a couple of days, no more until you can, just until you can get to see the chiropractor. No more. Yeah, and your and your doctor's right. Absolutely, he he's right. But I think that we we need to look at this in a broader sense too. And we do need to we we do need services for people to be able to access this care. And we need to reduce the shame that is associated with dependency issues in Ireland, whether it be coding, heroin, uh, crack cocaine. I'm not sure if you saw uh, the RT program last night and homelessness and drug abuse as I well. I didn't. No. There is. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting too. But we need to reduce the shame that's associated with dependency issues. Anyone can become dependent uh, on anything and uh, and it, it, they can be doing it because they are self-medicating because they have mental health issues or they are in pain or there, there's a wide variety of issues that people might need to self-medicate for. So I think that we need to take a proper, real good look at our services that we provide people before we make any knee-jerk reactions about uh, regulating something onto, onto uh, yeah. prescription only. Sarah's saying here, if, if men got period pain, the meds would probably be all available and free of charge. I was going to say, I was actually going to say I agree with Sarah and they'd probably be free of charge, but she, she beat me to it. Yeah, look, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, am, I am quite an advocate for, for women's health and I, I do speak an awful lot about the, I suppose, the, the, how we have failed women in the past and how we can do much better for women in the future and, and the caravan issue being, being, being one of those, yeah. you know, pregnant women that are suffering from hyperemesis, they, they really just yeah. need access. We, we have a colleague here at the moment actually the using caravan for that, yeah. for that reason. I also have a, yeah. a good friend who is very young to be on HRT, but she is because she had a hysterectomy at 28. Yeah. Um, but like okay. it's costing an absolute fortune. I know, I know. So PJ, will, maybe we should just, you and I now will start this. We'll start this movement. We'll try and make all the all this medicine free of charge for women. Will we? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what frightened people, though, Laura? I think, even though it was a superb piece of television, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Dope sick, and 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 that was about yes. addiction to opioids, and and how the mm-hmm. makers of it knew they knew people were addicted. The, the, I think what frightened a lot of people was that codeine is an opioid. So people thought. Codeine equals dope sick equals needs to be prescription only. Do you think that that's a connection well, people well, made in their heads? Okay, so, so well, no. Look, I mean, it's very true. Codeine is an opioid, and people can become addicted to it. It's one of the milder opioids, but but again, it is it is something that people can become dependent upon. But I think we need to be mindful of the fact we have a very different healthcare system, and we have a very different pharma industry here in Ireland as well. In America. It's it's a little bit it was a little bit and and dope sick would have made it seem like a, a little bit like the wild west. We're much ro- more robust over here with much tighter regulations on control drugs, and doctors aren't just writing prescriptions for oxycontin willy nilly. Yeah. They do take due consideration. They're for very short term use. We haven't had that issue in Ireland, but there is definitely there is definitely grounds for taking a wider look at dependency issues in general. For instance, I, I did a post there recently on my Instagram, Fabulous Pharmacist, about uh, Lyrica. So Lyrica pregabalin. Yeah, it, is, yeah. it is a drug that, that we know is, and, and it's an excellent drug for what it's used for. It's used for generalized anxiety disorder and uh, nerve pain. And But it also can be abused because it causes a really fast onset sedation and kind of relaxation. Yeah. So it's sold in the pharmacy on prescription for 30 cents, roughly a pill, but it can be sold on the street for a euro. 
So it's being bought in pharmacies by people that are getting on prescription and then being sold yeah. on yeah. the streets. And people can access them really easily. Like I've been speaking to people from Angora, there's Shikona, who do these drug hauls and, and they're always taking Lyrica yeah. or Precabalin. So, you know, there, there are many drugs that are available for misuse yeah. and that can flood the market like this when they're when they're when when they when the patent goes and they're and they can be accessed cheaply so it's just being mindful of this and having the the necessary uh, implementation uh, things in place that we can people can access the care and mm. people know where to go and people can unashamedly access yeah. care and i yeah. suppose uh, getting a person well before they and reducing them off very slowly these medications is also very important yeah they'll come back to that lastly and i must say i i i like your preference for codeine dependency rather than addiction because no one mm -hmm. seeks to become addicted to these things absolutely not and and i could stay here all day now talking to pj because it, our mental health services are creaking as well and people often self-medicate with illicit drugs because they have no they, they, don't, they don't know what else to do so someone whose mind is racing who can't calm down might smoke a joint to do so and and that you know that starts them off on the on the path of i suppose illicit drug abuse or uh, illicit drug misuse which is which is a, which is a nicer term so you know i, I keep going back to the to the point we need to take a broader look at our healthcare services and what we can actually do for people on a community, on a local level, to make sure that they can access the care that they need. All right. Listen, thank you for your time. Uh, Laura, uh, the, fabulous, the fabulous pharmacist is her Instagram. Laura Dowling, thank you very much. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, it's, it's rife. We've had a, a message in there from Sabrina, which I will read after the news. Um, had a number of people in her family that became dependent. That program last night on RTE, I haven't seen it. I'll look back at it later on. But it was the link between a bad upbringing and mental health and drug abuse and homelessness. Not, and isn't that really what Willa White was talking to me last week about with regard to criminals and what the two Norries have talked about repeatedly and what the experts into a thing called ACE talk about, that the getting people who end up homeless, people who end up helplessly addict, addicted to drugs and all that kind of Many of them, it started, and ended up in prison, many of them, it started uh, with childhood problems, childhood, what they call adverse childhood experience, or ACE. 0818 96 The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel Every year we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make you make feel only on Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Interesting take on the Jerry Hutch trial. Just going through the, the headlines in the paper again. 
uh, this morning. Various headlines, but easily the the winner today is the Irish Sun by, by Country Mile, which has a full front page with a picture of of Jerry Hutch, who looks like something of the Highlander with the long hair and the beard that he, he now sports rather than the, the clean-shaven look and the short hair he once had. He's a interesting-looking character in the front. But Mr. Unhutchable is the um, front-page headline on The Sun this morning, Irish Sun this morning. Glad to see the monk walk free, says John. This is an interesting take. The special criminal court should be disbanded. disbanded. Everyone should have the right to be tried by a jury. The guy they made a complete balls of it, says John. Well, John raised two things there. The special criminal court. A lot of people dislike it. A lot of people like it. And I don't say like it, but they say it's necessary for certain. You know, trying to get a jury, for example, of ordinary individuals that would have sat there through a trial of some of the most dangerous and notorious criminals in the country. I don't think you'd have got a jury of ordinary people to sit through that but therein is the justification that some may, people make it for the special criminal court with regard to the Gardaí making the balls of it John well there, there are questions to be asked surely by the guards but there's also the question as to why the DPP pushed a murder charge through when the court made a very clear uh, distinction yesterday as to why that couldn't stick but look it's a view and thank you for it John 0818969696 on the snooker protests last night uh, Kevin says they don't care about getting people on side they want people talking you just help them any publicity is good publicity and the way they look at it every radio and newspaper would mention it like it or not it gets attention says Kevin. Again, that is a view, but if there were a political party, shall we say, Kevin, or political people trying to get my vote, they would never have got it in a fit after that little stunt last night. They're trying to win support. They're not going to win it through things like that, but your point is valid. 0818 96 96 96. I spoke to Maria a few weeks back. Maria was facing the prospect of eviction with her young daughter, They'd been issued with a notice to quit, which, of course, became active again following the lifting of the eviction ban at the end of March. Uh, Maria, we had a, a good conversation that day, an upsetting conversation on your on your part, and a lot of listeners were very upset for you. We wanted to catch up with you and see how things are now a few weeks later. Good morning. Good morning. How Good are morning. things? They're okay. Um, they're not ideal. Okay. Um, did, did you have to move out? Yeah, we moved out on Saturday. Last Saturday, just gone, yeah? Yeah, just Saturday, just gone. Um, we were placed into the family hub in Redcliffe House. Okay. Um, on Friday, I got a phone call from the City Council um, regarding the application my landlord put in seven months ago to buy the property. Okay. It's too late. Seven months is too late. Explain that to me now again. So they issue, they rang me on Friday at three o'clock okay. um, and said that um, they got an application from the landlord regarding the property and okay. I've had no notice to quit. I said, are you joking me? I'm out tomorrow. Also, also did, 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 did the landlord try to sell it to the council? 
Yeah, so he put in that application before he gave me the notice to quit. Yeah. And when I went into them in October regarding it, they wouldn't deal with me because I had no CBL number, even though my application was in to go on social housing. This is this is what we were saying at the time. Until such time as you were there with your hands hanging to you and your children crying, Yeah. they wouldn't talk to you. But yet no. they'd, had, they'd had contact from the landlord. Yeah, and my application was gone in way before the landlord... Had given me my notice to quit. It just hadn't processed yet. Okay, my goodness me. Like we didn't have to be homeless. That's. Oh, crikey, you're at the knock me sideways here now. I was distraught on Friday. Distraught. I couldn't even speak. So, so in a way, what you're telling me, Maria, is your landlord had tried to do right by you. Yeah. By offering to sell the place to the council. And you could have stayed there and become a council tenant. Yep. But the paperwork got screwed up. Seven months. It's sitting on their desks inside the city hall. Seven months. Wow. I was shocked on Friday. I literally couldn't even speak. I contacted um, Councillor Kenna Collins and um, Tommy Gould straight away. Now I couldn't even speak to them. That is an unmerciful balls up. That really is. Yeah, like there should be no documents that went to the City Hall sitting there for seven months. And they didn't even look at my file to know that I was out the next day. So, pause that where it is and it'll go where it goes. And I assume there must must be some way you can guess what you can do but you're in Redcliffe now now I've yeah. never actually spoken to anybody who's been in there what is it like? it's um, it's a family hub so there's 17 families in there um, we have our own room um, we have our own washing fa- our own wash facilities um, we have a fridge and a microwave okay. um, and then everything else is communal so your kitchen your dining room your TV room play areas the staff there have been fantastic and so welcoming. Mm. Um, we went down on Wednesday just to see it before we went in, just to try to give us a bit of peace of mind. Yeah. And how long do you have a room there for? How long is a piece of strength? Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Are you in the system awaiting placement, council placement yeah. or what? Yeah. Right. So that's like I spoke to one family member in their yesterday and they're in their eight months already. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know how they work it. I know. You know, I'm still trying to just settle in there, really. I know. You're appointed a key worker, I understand, when you go in there. Yeah. So I haven't been appointed mine yet. And they're still just going through my paperwork. Okay. Okay. You feel... <laughs> forgive me if this is the wrong word do you feel comfortable in there do you feel safe in there I feel safe but I'm not used to it yet to feel comfortable if you understand me I do I do just trying to find my feet at the moment and it's very hard with the small one how old is she again Maria she's four she's four how is she dealing with this how are you helping her to deal with this or can you on Friday night she woke vomited all night long I actually think it was from the anxiety of like physically seeing everything leave the house. Um, but she made friends in there. So she's um, kind of content at the moment. Now she is but heartbroken going back in the evening. 
Yeah. And she does keep asking when we're going back to our house. Mm-hmm. And I just keep trying to explain to her, like, that's not our house anymore. How does she that's take that? Do you know, I just keep telling her we're waiting for our new house and we must stay here while we wait for our new house. Um, but she, you just keep needing to remind her, like, she's only four, she doesn't really understand. Is that the only house she's ever known, Maria? Uh, well, we were in my mom's, we lived at my mom before that, okay. before we moved in there, but she's living there since, she's living there three years. Okay, pretty much the only house, the house she's yeah. grown up in. Yeah, yeah. So she all her memories in, like. Yeah. Now, you've no idea, how, now, I mean, do you have little things to just, have you got your own telly that she can watch that kind of Yeah, we have our own telly, uh, it's just your basic channels. Yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to occupy her outside, like... As much as I can. Yeah, yeah, and you can, you can cook a bit in there, can you? Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. like it's not like the B and Bs where you no, only get you only get bed. Yeah, yeah. So it's heartbreaking. It's almost stupid of me to ask. What do you think is going to happen now? I don't know. I I know that. Um, Sinn Féin are trying to sort the issue that happened on Friday because mm. um, that should have never happened they shouldn't have even rang me they just upset me even more um, just, just, just to recap for listeners what, what in case they missed it went out to make tea or something you were served with a notice to quit by yeah. your landlord you were given notice and yeah. you've discovered that your landlord had actually tried to do right by you he by, told me that by, when he gave me my notice to quit, that he had put in the application to the city council okay. for them to buy the property, okay. and he told them that I was in receipt of rent supplement. Okay. So he literally tried to do his best for you, to yeah. have the council buy the place, so you could say, and then how come they didn't buy the place, or even didn't respond because to him? They didn't even pick up the application until Friday. It went in in October, that's seven months. Wow. Like so anybody now that's putting in an application for the tenant assistance scheme, is, are they going to be waiting seven months? Like, that's too late for people. So Some he people filed, he filed a fair play to him. He filed yeah. everything in yeah. October mm-hmm. for the house to be bought that you could stay there. Yeah. And here you are in Redcliffe because they never picked up the application. Yeah. But we didn't have to be homeless. I didn't have to put my child through this situation. It's absolutely heartbreaking. I'm way more upset since Friday. On on Thursday, I was kind of like, all right, it is what it is. We'll try to find something else. At least we have emergency accommodation. At least we have somewhere to go that we're not sleeping in a car. And then on Friday, I was just distraught. Distraught. Upset isn't what I'd be. Yeah. I was angry. I was. I was furious, but I couldn't even speak. I'm still now, like, people are asking me, like, do you know what I, I need? Because I've told everyone about my situation um, just to try to see if someone has somewhere for us to rent. Um, and anybody that needs me to ask me, I can't even talk to them, DJ. I know. This is... This is awful. Mm. This is the... Actually, it's bad enough that what happened to you happened to you. Yeah. But the fact that this could have been prevented if someone had picked up the, and checked out the paperwork in the council. Look, if we get onto the council, we get the usual oh, we can't comment on individual cases nonsense out of them. Yeah. And if I went over, any time I went to the City Hall regarding it, or they would say, at the desk, it's bid on CBS. 
That's all they say to you. You get no satisfaction. What there. did they say, sorry? All they say is bid on CBS. That's yeah. all they say to you. That's the only, like, when you go to the counter about anything. Yeah. And then, like, you, you're talking some regarding, say, like, a form or something they sent you. They'll go in behind the counter and ask questions that you're asking. They come back out with an answer. And you're, like, it's an answer, like, and it's just like, oh, just keep bidding. Okay. Okay. Would you keep in touch? I know you're in touch with Fergal there about what's going on. And if you find yeah. out any more, we'll talk, we'll talk again, Maria. I will, PJ. My, my best to you, little girl. Thank you very much. That... Whoa, lads, come here. 0818 She's in Redcliffe. She's comfortable. She's being well treated. She's her little girl has a place to a bed to lay her head in and a telly to watch and they can make from food and they can do all those things. But she need never have been there. Because her landlord went to the council in October, filled out his paperwork with a view to selling the premises to the council so that Maria and her little girl could stay there. The best he could have done. Or he. Yeah, he. They never even picked up the paperwork. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. Email opinion at ninety six fm dot ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Coach ninety six fm. Sabrina on codeine addiction or codeine dependency, as Laura, the pharmacist, would prefer. We said, and let's try our best to do that because it's a kinder term, and nobody deliberately goes out to get addicted to to anything, particularly not pain meds they take for a bad back or a toothache. Hi PJ, we don't know the half of it regarding codeine. My cousin became very addicted to it. She suffered from bad period pain. It was the only thing that would work for her. She used to take boxes of salpidine. Thankfully she weaned herself off it eventually after a few years. My father was also in a lot of pain after a hernia so he started taking salpidine just to sleep at night. He then found it difficult to sleep without it he had to wean off it too. That's two people in our family who were dependent on codeine. It can be dangerous, says Sabrina. Thank you for that, Sabrina. There's a few things coming before Cabinet today. Eamon Ryan is bringing them. They're in the paper in detail. One of them, though, is to do with, you know, this idea of trying to keep cars out of the towns and cities and stop the congestion and blah, 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 blah. blah. One of them is congestion charge. Now, if you know or if you follow what? Look up, look up um, ULES, Ultra Low Emission Zone in London and see the chaos that's causing. And and that's where congestion charge leads you to. Congestion charge would be along the lines of it takes, every time you come into town, they would charge you a few quid to drive in. Like, that's what a congestion charge is. Sean says, congestion charge? Hang on a second now. The whole country only has the population of Greater Manchester the first place of congestion charge will be needed is when they take away the Wilton roundabout and put in traffic lights for Bus Connect. It's a disaster, says Sean. Thank you. 0818969696. Let us return to a story from last week when I spoke to, to Kenneth. Kenneth has a little lad called Harry who has been diagnosed with autism. 
part of his autism is a thing called pika, where basically Harry will eat the wrong things. And one of the things he does is he eats dirt out of the garden, which you can imagine would make him sick. Harry also loves to use his trampoline. And that's where the problem starts. Remind you of my conversation with Kenneth last week. Harry is five and a half. Um, he's a fantastic boy. Harry will be a slight risk. We have a back garden. Um, it's his free space. Like Harry, like Harry is artistic. Um, he also has pika, which means he puts inappropriate things into his mouth. When it's raining, we, we definitely can't go out because there's muck out the back and unfortunately he'll eat the muck. Look, I'll just get into it there now with your PJ. Where other families see artificial grass as a luxury, unfortunately, like, it's, it's, it's a necessity you now for us at this stage. Mm. Um, like, like we're, we're constantly fighting from, like, I thought we could just buy the grass, put it down and that would be the end of it and, and, and no, this is another fight that we have to fight. There's a bit of work involved in it. There's an awful bit of work involved, and like I, I gave up my career for Harry. <laughs> we just, we just don't have it, like. Kenneth, you've put it out there. That's part one. Let's okay. see what, let's see what people will come back with. Peter, thanks very much. I really no, you're all right. You're all right. Look, mate, I know, I know where you are, pal. I know where you are. I remember being. We had the diagnosis six yeah. or eight months ago. But you know what, pal? I feel for you. It's a rotten corner to find yourself in. Why not? But you know what? Everything you put into him, he will give you back in bucketfuls. Thank you very much, Peter. All right. You got to me, Kenneth, that day, um, because I remember remember the early days after we got our diagnosis. I wasn't worth tuppence to anybody for for a long time. I certainly couldn't have called a radio programme and had that kind of guts. How are you doing now? I'm not too bad, Peter. Good man. I'm not too bad. Okay, well, we had a huge reaction. Um, a lot of people were on the phone wondering, could they do anything for you? Could they, do, could they help at all? Um, one of the people that contacted us was Rory O'Callaghan. Rory is sales manager at Artificial Grass Cork. .ie. Stay there, Kenneth. Hello, Rory. PJ, how are you? I'm very well, sir. I'm very well. You're very good. Taken by what Kenneth was saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like to be honest, it's something that we would see regularly in the business, where we have people coming to us who have, uh, you know, children with special needs or some kind of, uh, you know, and and they have. you know, a really great need for the child to be outdoors and be able to have a space where they can, you know, regulate themselves and uh, that they're safe. And I suppose it's scenarios similar to that where the garden is, uh, because of the use, is turned to mud or is turned to a bog and they can't, you know, use it properly. And I suppose the, the artificial grass is a solution for them that is safe they can fall over and roll around on it you know mm. and uh we see it a lot you know so like it, it it's something that you know that when when you heard it it just it resonated you know yeah um there's a lot more involved to it than than kenneth might have thought yeah yeah so we would you know we supply the grass for people who are you know very able and are able to kind of do all those kind of groundworks themselves but in the majority you know we we 
uh, we install as well because you are talking about a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tons and tons of like groundworks needing to be put into to create drainage for the Irish rain, you know, which is what is causing a lot of the problems in, in the first place with people and their lawns, you know. Mm. So it is it's a big undertaking. Can you have any assistance it, to us really, here, Rory? Well, you know, I understand that as as a uh, as a supply business, we're we're more than happy to provide as much artificial grass as Kenneth would need, you know. I um and uh, we're you know we're happy to do that free of charge, you know, because it's just. We, you know, we 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 understand, and it's uh, he, you know he's in a very tough situation, and we'd like to help him out. You know, that's extraordinarily generous, Rory. Artificialgrasscork.ie. Kenneth, it doesn't it doesn't end there because Mike also rang us um, last week. Uh, Mike is a gardener. Mike's Home Improvements is his company. Mike, good morning. Come on, we You're listening to Kenneth and. We've now got a very generous offer from Rory at artificialgrasscork.ie. You want to pitch in as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll pitch in with the labour of it. Like. It's incredible generosity. Kenneth, with no idea this was going to happen for you, but people just rang us and said, we want to help here. That, 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 look, I'm absolutely speechless. It just means that Harry can go out and just play and be happy and be safe. At the end of the day, but that's that's all. That's all. Like that. That's all we want is just for him to be happy and have a safe period. I know. I know. Well, well, you know, your your telling of the story last week brought an enormous reaction from people of Cork and from businesses like artificialgrasscork.ie. So we're going to set you up off here with Rory okay. and with and with Mike. Uh, Mike will do as much of the, the heavy lifting, as it were, as is needed to be done. Brilliant. And hopefully, uh, thanks very much, as quickly as possible, we can sort little, little Harry out. Brilliant. PJ, can I also say one thing as well? Yeah. Have you got time? I'd just like okay. to thank the people down the Rainbow Club as well. They're doing an amazing uh, job. You don't need to sell that to me. Yeah, they're doing an amazing job. And I'd, I'd also like to remind the people of Cork, there are kids with hidden disabilities. Yeah. They're not They're not old kids. They, they, they just have a hidden disability that, that's not visible. All right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Okay. It, there's something I always say, you know, um, Kenneth, and it's I've said it a, a thousand times, and it's very hard not to say it without getting a bit caught up. When the people of Cork come out for our own, there's no one like us. No one. And I, I thank very much from the bottom of my heart. It means so much to us. All right. Thank you, PJ. You're more than welcome. And thank you, Rory, and thank you, Mike. And the Thanks, people Rory and Mike. Coming More good. Welcome. Thank coming you. Coming good. We'll start it all out off the air. Um, once again, that little boy who just wants to play like every other kid. 
in his own garden. Sorry, it's just, it's just too close to the fucking bone, lads. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it really is. Sorted. Job done. Harry will have his garden. Just to thank again the people who've come to little Harry's uh, assistance. So kind of, of Rory, says Sarah. I hope he gets lots of new business to come his way and to Mike. But Rory is Rory O'Callaghan, sales manager at Artificial Grass Cork.ie, based out in Waterfall. They have a display space up there as well. If anyone wants to go and have a look at what they can do, thank you to Rory and his team for coming on board with this. And Mike from Mike's Home Improvements uh, will do an amount of the heavy lifting that's going to be needed to. Just get this little boy uh, his garden, his safe garden. Uh, Lisa says faith in humanity has been restored. Yeah, for now at least, Lisa, I've no doubt something will happen to ruin it again. But you're right, you're absolutely right. Faith in humanity restored. 0818 96 96 96. Right, do you want free money? Have you got our app downloaded? If not, why not? Do it now, it'll take you about 20 seconds if you haven't got it done. Download our app straight away. Do a screenshot and WhatsApp that screenshot to us with your name, of course, to 083 396 96 I'm looking to fill a place in the daily draw which Lorraine will make this evening and the winner of that draw will get €500. But you need to get in there now with your screenshot. Snap the app. Download now if you haven't already Snap it now if you haven't already and send it in to us at 083-396-9696. Question 10. What chess piece moves first? The pawn. So you actually got 9 out of 10. Woohoo! I'm delighted. I know. And then the one that you obviously had doubts about, uh, what chess piece moves first, the correct answer, unfortunately, is pawn. You've just won 2,000 Still getting a lot of your stuff in on drug dependency, codeine dependency from earlier on this morning and a few things on the religious letter that was been dropped in people's front doors. Um, We're not saying where just now. Then, sorry to have to bring this up again, says Jimmy Horgan. Jimmy's been on to me about this for ages. Uh, Ballyno Farm Estate in Cove. Um, Ballyno Road, Ballyno Park, Ballyno Mews, Ballyno Drive, Estuary Walk, Estuary View, etc. We're the houses on top of the hill to the right if you're crossing on the ferry from Passage. PJ, I'm here 25 years. Some earlier residents will be 30 years or more. We've always been able to, or been, all been liable for property tax, unlike the unfinished, unfinished estates who were exempt. However, after all this time, county councils still have not taken our estate into charge. The roads are in disrepair, the gullies are blocked, we've no services. The road sweeper truck turns around at the entrance and goes on its merry way. 
Residents are frustrated here, PJ. 30 years. There's no excuse for this. What are we paying property tax for? We can't avail of anything. If I could afford it, I'd go to court for a refund for all residents. That's from Jamie Horgan, who contacts us regularly about that from Cove, going on for the bones now of 30 years. 0818 96 96 96. We did it. We asked you for screenshots, and we are snowed under with them. It's time to give away more free money. Snap the app. Only on Cork's 96FM. Now, the deal is, you need to download the Cork's 96FM app, open it up, snap a screenshot, and send it to us at 083-396-9696 when we ask you to do so. Simple as that. That's exactly what you did. Madeline in Ballyballan. Morning. PJ, how are you? I'm very well. Nice screenshot. Um, <laughs> what would you spend 500 quid on if you had it in your hand this evening? Oh, I'd go retail shopping. Retail therapy, you can't beat it. Retail therapy. Any particular favourite shop? Um, Zara or H&M. Ooh, class. <laughs> Someone yesterday <laughs> said they want to go to Penny's, but you'd buy the shop for that. <laughs> Zara or H&M? Yeah, do you, what kind of new clubber do you need? I, have you holidays booked? I've no holidays booked yet, but I'm definitely have plans to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pick up, you pack the suitcase. Exactly. Very good. All right. You you don't even have to answer a question. You've done exactly what we asked you to do. So <laughs> you're in the draw. Great. So you need to be sitting by your radio this evening, or listening on the app, of course. Listen on the app. Because Lorraine will make the draw. You're in that draw and you could be today's winner of 500 euro with Snap the App. That would be lovely. Thanks for being here, All right, Madeline. Thank you very much. Wayne will have another qualifier this afternoon. Lorraine will have one. And then she'll do the draw after six. Snap the App. How do you take part? You, you know how to take part at this stage. Download the app. If by chance you haven't got the app downloaded yet, why not? Why not indeed? Because not only will you be able to take part in this competition and win... 500 euro would snap the app on Cork's 96 FM but that is where all of our podcasts go and we produce podcasts here to bait the band every day we put up the more, sometimes more than 30 podcasts a week from the opinion line uh, the full show goes up every afternoon but also the bits that stood out on every morning's opinion line if you missed something go back and search through the app and you'll find it again that's yet another reason to have the app on your phone. You could also download for the Premier League Live at the weekend with Trevor and the team, or for the Hit Mix, or for the Fit Mix, or you name it, it's on there. And now it's a chance to win free money. Snap the app only on Cork's 96FM. Now, David got in touch with us last week. David's son, Kyle is his name, David, your son, and he's developed some very upsetting and frightening I would say frightening, the way you describe it. Behaviour. Good, good morning. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Good. Kyle is 13 now. He is indeed, yeah. 13. A strong lad. Yeah, very strong and only getting stronger by the day. So, so what's happening? Um, I suppose, look, Kyle was diagnosed back when he was three, three and a half. Um, and since that, we've gotten zero help really from any services that Kyle has been under. <clears throat> we were first under Bridgeway 
they diagnosed him and then they just said, look, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to try and get him a school placing and things like that, which was grand at the start. But then there was no one-on-ones or anything for him. It was all left to us and things like that. And then he got moved to the CDNT team in Middleton and they are very slow as well. They're the very same thing. I was trying to get information back from them and emailing them and then you mightn't hear like I emailed yourself there last week and I'm still waiting back from uh, his psychologist that he's under at the moment yeah um, now in fairness the the whole situation kind of started really in kind of like the late October last year maybe after his birthday and things like that when he turned around to me one night and he said that I can hear voices in my head so oh he does time, speak does he David yeah, he is. He's verbal, thank God. Yeah, he okay. is verbal, so it's not too bad. Um, so he turned around and he said that I can hear voices in my head. And as a parent, you kind of take that as seriously. So you're like, kind of, whoa, what's going on here? So we said it to his psychologist and things like that, and she was kind of saying maybe, oh, it's just maybe something that's playing in his head or playing on his mind and stuff like that. Now, Kyle has also been diagnosed with ADHD, and he's got not, no help with that or anything okay. growing up, basically. So it all came to a head one evening at home and he just started slapping his face. Constant slapping. And these slaps are, are nothing shy of what a boxer would be throwing a punch at. Right. It was really full on. Like. So it got to one evening as well that he decided, right, he's had enough and went out to the kitchen and grabbed the knife and tried to chop his hand off. Thankfully, he didn't have blade facing down. So the saving grace is that my wife, Lisa, heard him and she ran out and saw it and she took the knife off him and straight to CUH, uh, explained the whole situation to them. They put a room, they put him in a room on his own and stuff like that, which was great because of obviously with the autism and things like that. And obviously they didn't know what he was going through in his own mind, basically. So we stayed in the CUH for the whole night and we got messed the following morning by a doctor from CAMS, the mental health service. And in fairness to that doctor, he really, really put a push on for CAMS. And I will say this, CAMS have been very good so far since they've taken him back on again. He has been there twice before and they've discharged him twice as well. So this time around now we've met with um, a a new psychologist, a new team team leader. Uh, We've also met with uh, his speech and language therapist last week. She was with him for an hour and a half, which was a shock to us because obviously with the first meet and greet we thought maybe it'll just be an hour or whatever, but no, full on hour and a half and we have another meeting with her next week as well, so that's good. Um, but it's just the lack of services in regards to psychology and stuff like that that he didn't get through the years growing up and stuff no matter how hard we fought or yeah. rang or emailed and things like that it's all and built it's up inside in him now and it's manifesting itself you wrote to us <coughs> David in the, in the yeah. middle of the night and you said I hope you're all yeah. getting a good night's sleep what was happening yeah. when you wrote to us so basically it was last week and he was went to bed no problems when they were on Easter holidays actually and about, I'd say, quarter to one, he just woke up screaming, crying, and just completely and utterly losing the plot, slapping himself across the face. So it took me about 45 minutes to calm him down. And when I got him calmed down, it then took me probably another 20 minutes after that to get him back to sleep. Once he was back to sleep then, of course, I didn't sleep for the night because I was constantly on edge, constantly worrying. Is he going to wake up again? Is he going to do something drastic? He screams and he hits himself and he lashes out. Does he bite? 
No, he doesn't bite nor anything, thank God. But it, the, 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 it's the, he slapped himself, Peter, and that's the worrying thing about it. And he keeps saying that voice in my head. And he's come up with a, a, the idea that it's bold Kyle. And bold Kyle is telling him to do this, and bold Kyle is telling him to slap himself. Um, so, like, I mean, it's, it's really worrying. Like, that I mean, is scary. For for a kid on the spectrum, that he can communicate that well with you, yeah. that's a plus. Yeah, it's but, a very good. It's, it's, but what he's telling you is frightening. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Now, and we've said this to his psychologist and things like that, and she's just like, "Oh, maybe it's just uh, he's going through a phase or whatever." And we're like, "This isn't a phase. This is something more serious." Do you know what I mean? And we're really trying to push to get some help. But look, I know that you're, you're afraid. You're, well. you're afraid he'll actually hurt himself, or or oh, the next yeah. the next time he won't miss with the knife. That's it, exactly. Or else he'll do something drastic, Peter. And we all know what that would be like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe if he does. Like, let's not. Know. Let's not go there. Mm. Tough. It's very tough. It's very tough. So I mean, like if, if, if we're we're thinking now that maybe Kyle might need psychiatric help and a psychiatric assessment, really. And like, where do we go for that? How do we get somebody involved? We're 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 in limbo at the moment with it. Like, so if anybody's out there that can help and things like that, then I greatly appreciate. Both. You and I know each other going back along, David. You're tall. Really? I take it he's tall, a strong lad. Yes, he is, yeah, he is, he is indeed, yeah, he's, he's 13 and I'm six foot one, and he's kind of just below my head, like, for 13, he's fairly tall, all right, like. He could hurt yeah. himself, or, or you, yeah. or his mum. Yeah, whatever, thinking about it, or anything like that, so, I mean, that's, that is really the worry. All right. What I'm going to do, David, is I'm going to ask if anybody has been through this before. Yeah. My own boy, when he was very small, used to bite, and I had bite marks on my shoulders. Now it stopped. I think mm-hmm. we, we now know that that was his frustration at wanting to communicate. Okay, yes. I think that's what that was at the time, and mm-hmm. now I can't shut him up. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but but there's something going on in Kyle's head, yeah. and, and and you need someone who can understand it and help him. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Anybody out there that has gone through anything like this or knows about somebody that is going through something similar, then please reach out. We'd we greatly appreciate the help and we can bounce off each other and we can try and see if we can come up with a solution or maybe even just the people that are involved in Kyle's life in regards to helping him might hear this and might take, take heed of it. Okay. David, I wish you well. Thank you very much, please. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. No problem. Yeah, I do know David. Going back along, I knew his dad pretty well at one time. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That's a, an upsetting situation. Um, and Kyle can communicate, which is, is a boom. It's a boost in that he can put into words what's going on inside his head. But the, the, the young lad needs help. Thanks for that, David. Hope something works out for you. And if anybody can help, if anybody knows where David might start uh, do let us know at 0818 96 96 96 let me just catch up on some correspondence while I have a minute or two to do it I've an email there on drug dependency which I will get to in a moment looking back at yesterday we're chatting about uh, women and incontinence following uh, childbirth which is unbelievably common far more common than I thought it was Kate says people should look at and learn some pelvic floor exercises. They do help. Jen, thank you for highlighting it. Four of my eight friends suffer from it after having their babies. Regarding the show, these probiotics are amazing to help 
female incontinence for women. I don't work for the company or anything to do with it, but I just find them very good. They're called OptiBack. Thank you for that. You can go back onto the app or wherever you get your podcasts and you will find that section of the show yesterday talking about incontinence. There were a couple of things came in just off the top of people's heads. Um, Bernie, nobody deserves to be abused at work, says Bernie. That's true. But I do have an issue with some shop workers. I've noticed this lately, I have to say. Some of them just chat away to each other at the counter and act as if you're not there. That is the height of bad manners. They need to be retrained on how to serve people with a smile and engage with the customer. Any thoughts on that are welcome. Also, it came out in the news yesterday that the Live at the Marquee Festival this year will be completely cashless and Aiken Promotions are reminding people of that in advance of the start of it in just under 40 days' time. And I was making the point, look, unfortunately, it is inevitable. I don't like it. In fact, I very much dislike it. But that's where we're headed. Barbara says, I just wanted to make a comment on cashless stores. Vodafone have now gone cashless. I think it's crazy. Vodafone have been cashless for a long time, Barbara. In fact, I think all of the main mobile phone shops are, are cashless now. I, I know not why. I really know not why. 0818969696. I used to have this kind of thing that I wouldn't go anywhere that wouldn't take my cash. The problem is that while I carry cash all the time, we're getting less and less of an opportunity now to have a choice. So it's either not go out or suck it up, which I don't like doing, but it is what it is. On the subject of drug dependency, codeine dependency, as we were discussing this morning. Hi PJ, currently listening to this topic. Our services are poor. That's an understatement in some aspects. I'm talking from personal experience here. My brother, who's an addict, got clean after 10 years. His next step was a halfway house. This is where it went wrong. They have a zero tolerance policy on drug reuse. If you fail a test, you're out. I agree with the approach, but the work being done with the addicts is very poor. They send off to do courses and activities, but they don't deal with the mental damage that drugs do. My brother was told that a psychiatrist or someone who could help his mental health issues to go to see them and they would sort it out. Weeks later, he had nothing. He eventually succumbed to using again, just to calm down his brain. The mental health issues stem from his brain being chemically changed. He's homeless now in Cork. In order for him to restart, he had to return to Limerick as this is where his home address is registered. And that is ridiculous. The person who was running the house had no presence of authority, which is what the house needs to some degree. It's a great idea to have it, but the way it's operated is wrong. I hope this makes the show as it shows another side to healthcare in this country. Kind regards, and the name is withheld as you are entitled to do. Thank you for that. 0818 Join Casey and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96FM for your chance to win with Cuisine de France Sourdough Speciality Breads. We have a hamper to give away every day and 
And on Friday, one overall winner also grabs a travel voucher worth €1,500. Euro. And you can sample the Cuisine de France sourdough speciality breads this Saturday, April 22nd at Mahan Point Shopping Centre. Listen to Casey and Ross from 6am to win with Cuisine de France only on Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Call 96FM. Back to all the various bits and pieces that we are doing across the morning in just a sec. But I need to jump straight to the lines uh, this time out because Aoife uh, has come out of class to take my call. Aoife, one of a number of very talented young sports people, young sports women in Ireland that we love to highlight on the opinion line. Uh, two years ago, uh, in 2021, Aoife Griffin, you became the first young woman to win a Dunlop Masters Superbike Championship on a motorbike. You were 16. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, how I'm long, sixteen. How long have you been riding motorbikes? Uh, I've been riding motorbikes since I was about thirteen. Nice. But I've been on the back of my dad's motorbike my whole life. Yeah. And when did you realize that you wanted to do this competitively and that you could do it competitively? Well, my dad started track days when I was very young. And he started racing. It was in, I think it was 2014, 2013. Okay. And I immediately knew I wanted to get into it. Yeah. You, you were very young to win that championship in 2021, at 16. Yeah. <laughs> it was my first year racing that year as well, so. Right. Now... You're studying for leave insert at the moment, 49 days to it. You don't need me to remind you, but it just did. But you then would think that you'd love to go off and spend the summer doing what you love, but you can't. Why? There's no racing in the Republic at the moment. Like, I I know I can go up north. I know there's the option to go up north, but I'm from Cork, so I'm down the bottom of the country, and the north is the very top. Yes. It's hard enough to get up there, especially with a bike and a van and yeah. everything else that we need. Yeah. Motorcycling Ireland, which is the governing body, has not been able to get insurance for racing. Since when? Um, since last year, there was not much talks about it, not getting insurance. It was kind of just, oh, it's going to follow into the next year. But what ended up happening was some rumours started going around, hold on, maybe there might not be racing next year. Again, everyone brushed it under the rug, thinking, oh, we'll get this sorted. Like This this kind of thing always happens because there's people that don't like our sport, which is understandable, but mm. it's still a sport. It still has a community. Yeah. But we we didn't think much of it because we knew something like this was going to happen regardless. You race on tracks, not on the open road. It's Mandela Park you normally do, isn't it? And there, there are other places too. Yeah, I normally do 
cart tracks with like little pit bikes and I use the bigger bikes then in Mandela Park. I don't race roads at all. Yeah. I'd love to give it a go, but I'm not there yet. Not just yet. Not just yet. But because of this refusal that the company involved, Allianz, are not willing to provide insurance. So you can't race, and neither can anybody else in the Republic of Ireland this year. No. Unless they want to go up north, but we don't have that kind of money down here. No one really has that kind of money. Like, it's handy for people up the north because they're living in and about it. Yes. Yeah. But there's there's not enough of us to mm. be able to be like, oh, we'll all go up all together or something. Like, we can't do that. Yeah. And we f- all have our own machines to bring up. How does all this make you feel, Aoife? This is clearly what would you like to do with this professionally? Yeah, I'd love to. Along with a load of other people I know, they'd love to do this professionally. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating sport. But I need to get better and so do other people. Like there's up there's young and upcoming talent in motocross and everything and Young, young people in your short circuit, short, short circuit racing, yeah. and they're all upcoming, and they have no other option. Yeah. So there's none of that going to happen this year. Is that what you're saying to me? There's no motocross. There's no trials, short circuit, or road racing in the Republic this year at all. Crikey. Literally, the sport can't happen. No. Not at all. You must be desperately disappointed about that. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to do much racing until after my leaving cert. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if it did go ahead, because my leaving cert does come first. Of course. But it is disappointing to see all these younger riders as well, people in motocross for example, like you start motocross at about the age of four. Yes. There's plenty of them and they have nothing else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they wanted to do something, they'd have to go out into the woods or something where it's an unsafe environment. Yeah. I'm looking at, just looking at the, the 120, nearly 120 events might not go ahead because of this. And no other company, it seems, according to Motorcycling Ireland, no other company will take it up either. No other company will take responsibility for us. There's been too many claims, and they've been big claims in the past year or two. Yeah. It's really brought down the sport. Yeah. Sure, that's what so, people pay insurance for, Aoife, because sometimes you claim. Do you know what I mean? You what's, the, what's the point of paying insurance if you can't claim off it? Exactly. This is my confusion out of it because the insurance companies at the moment, everything is getting inflated and of course my sport is just getting the back end of it. Like that was the way it always with our sport. I understand my sport is very dangerous but people know the risk they're taking on when they come into the sport. I knew the risk I was taking on. Yeah. It's very dangerous, Aoife, but to be fair, for the amount of it that goes on at the various levels, like like you said, motocross and short circuit and road racing and all those, 
for the danger of the sport, because you're all so flipping good at it, the number of claims is actually quite small overall. Yeah, there's more claims for the likes of horse riding and GA and stuff. Like, anything can happen to anybody else. Mm. Anything can happen in any other sport. They all have a level of danger. It's just mine is the level of danger people don't tend to like. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, you're finding it hard to prepare for your leaving with this on your mind? I I find it hard that after I'm finished school that then I have to go on to worry about what's my next step with motorcycle racing, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to spend all my money in going up north, going over to England? Like, I, it's really expensive and I'm starting to worry about the cost aspect at the moment. Mm. And I'm, I'm working as well along with it. For you, for you. So I'm trying to pay for all the stuff Along with my dad, my dad is helping me immensely. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. And keeping I, a you have a, a decent sized bike. It's a, it's a Yamaha, isn't it? The yeah, it's a Yamaha R3. It's yeah. 300 cc. Yeah, and that 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 takes work. That takes dedication and care, and that costs money. Yeah, my my bike is kept pristine most of the time, and tires are even expensive. Mm-hmm. Like a set of tires could cost me. Five six hundred euro. Wow. And they wouldn't last long either. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the way with most people that are racing against me. It's they're the, on the same cost aspect as me, and if they crash, it's even worse. Yes. The thing that you mustn't really be able to understand it because I can't get my head around it, and someone much younger than me like yourself, the fact that you can't race in Dundalk. But you can race in Newry. That doesn't make any sense to you. I'm sure it doesn't make any sense to me either. No, no sense whatsoever. I it, this kind of thing has never made sense to me. But for the fact that we still had Mandela and everything, yeah, I I didn't really question it because I was like, why fix what's not broken? And sorry, even to call a question, Mandela is a big circuit, big motor. It's probably the, the headquarters of motor racing in in Ireland. And everyone trains there, everyone practices there, Formula 4, whatever, motorbikes. You can't even race there without cover from Alliance, no? No, they, they'll they ensure the drift games, um, any, sort, any sort of car racing. Yeah. Anything to do with that. I have no problem with that. That sport is lovely as well. I, I actually really do like that sport. I follow Formula 1 myself. Yeah. But... It doesn't make sense because anything that happens to them could happen to us. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Aoife, I wish you well in the leaving cert in, in 49 days' time and I hope that this gets solved for you. It doesn't look good according to what I'm reading in the papers. Um, aliens have turned it down. Uh, I know that the people, the Motorcycling Ireland, are trying to get the politicians to look into it and try to push someone's hand to ensure you. I hope it works out, but um, best of luck in the first race that you have, which is the race towards the middle, the, the start of June. Look after yourself. Thank you.
Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. That's Aoife Griffin. You feel sad for her, don't you? Uh, so enthusiastic, so accomplished already in her young life, in her early career. Dunlop Masters Superbike Championship. They're not easily won. What little I know about it, they're, they're not easily won. But Motorcycling Ireland have said that up to 120 events might now just have to be squashed, cancelled, binned. Their president, Sean Bassett, said the organisation has been paying premiums of around 200,000 in years up to now, but now simply cannot get any cover at all. Allianz said, due to many factors, blah, 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 and rising claim costs, blah, 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 against a backdrop of macroeconomic, blah, 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 and less capacity, blah, they must manage the number of motorsports accounts on its books carefully. So, no motorcycling. And yes, you can't do it in Dundalk, but you can do it in Newry. 0818 96 96 96. Thanks, Eve. Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns this May. And Friday 26th is Jersey Day. You make me feel Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates And wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services See 96fm.ie for more 96fm.ie for more The Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to 27th You make me me feel Only on Cork's 96fm I remember talking to Joy from the Cork Clothes Swaps a couple of years ago when they were starting out and they've grown into a regular monthly thing well attended and and hugely popular and they've uh, an event coming up uh, this weekend coming but they've grown really into something very special that attracts huge crowds not just of women but of men too although I think they'd probably like to be seeing uh, more men a simple idea that has grown into something Sustainable, to use that that word. Uh, joined by by Claire from Cork Clothes Swaps. Uh, morning, Claire. Morning, PJ. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Joy started in uh, 2021. She started with six pieces, and uh, we now have 20 plus volunteers, and we swap twice monthly, and we're going very strong. Yeah, we've got a lot a lot of. Um, People coming, um, we swap in Rebel Reads the first Wednesday of every month and the Black Market then on the second Sunday of every month. Right. What's the idea behind them? Remind us again. So the idea is to, um, it's circular fashion, trying to keep clothes out of landfill. That's the, the main idea behind it. Um, so, you know, we all have so many clothes. Um, it's not a clothes that we don't ever use or wear. Yeah. And other people would love those clothes. So, you know, um, you you come to the swap, you can bring five pieces, all clean, and you can take ma- maximum then of five pieces. So, you know, we, we often get students coming, and, you know, they're going for interviews or they're doing um, placement days. So they might need clothes, you know, that they, they can't afford to buy either, yeah, but yeah. they can pick them up at the swap, you know. Um, people come for wedding ideas, you know. It, it's, it's amazing, really. It's a, it's a really, really good place. And um, for every piece you bring, up to five, you can take a piece and it's all free. 
Yes, absolutely. We don't charge anything. Um, it's it's completely run by volunteers. We accept donations and we use these to buy boxes to store our clothes and buy reels to hang our clothes. Mm. So, you know, it, it's really done for the love of the, uh, the idea, you know, which is keeping the clothes out of landfill. Yeah. You, you take both men's and women's clothes. Do, yeah, do, yeah. Do, do, do you mind me asking who brings more? Oh, women. <laughs> the women tend to bring the men's clothes too. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, men tend to find it difficult to part with the clothes. So it was a slower start to get our men's rail up and running. Yeah. But, you know, you see, the more people that come to these events with their clothes, you know, the more clothes are there for other people to take, you know. Yeah. So it's, um, and people are always amazed because it's a, it's a win-win situation, you know. Is that a thing about men's clothes? I tend to, to wear my clothes until they literally fall off of me, <laughs> much much to my wife's annoyance. Um, but, but she said, you, you, that old thing again? I said, I love that old thing. But women are different, I think. Yeah, I think so, you know. But um, that's okay too, you know. I mean... Um, you're actually doing very well by wearing your clothes until they're falling off. <laughs> That's a really good, um, good way of managing your wardrobe. But, you know, um, sometimes people buy things and, and they're the wrong size or they don't get back to changing them. We get things coming to the clothes shop with the labels still on them. Yeah. You know, and there's lots of mistakes people make when they're out buying clothes. Yeah. You know, so and every time you open your wardrobe, it's, you know, makes you feel guilty. So, yeah. so you can come along to the clothes shop and um, unload the guilt. I think sometimes people find it hard to, like I said, I would have things that are old and tattered and falling apart, and they're just about worn now as DIY clothes around the house or the garden. But I yeah. still love them, and I wouldn't want to part with them. And do we hoard our clothes? Do you think? Well, yeah, we we do, um, we do, and. Um, you know, and now it's funny you mentioned some things that are just, you know, they're worn out. We also have the fixing fashion station at all our spots. So, you know, what you might still love, but you might it might be torn or, you know, um, maybe somebody has put on extra weight and they need something, you know, or taken out or taken up. We can help with that as well. Very good. So, you know, you're always trying to prolong the life of clothes. You mentioned torn. Torn is actually fashionable these days. Absolutely, yes. Maybe there's a future for those old jeans of mine with no backside anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All back in fashion. When, when, when are you back again in the in the black market? Uh, well, the, the, we have an extra spot this month, which is a different one to our, to our norm. So we're going to be in St. Peter's on the 22nd of April. Right. That's on North Main Street. And then um, our next one in the black market will be um, 14th of May. Okay, okay. And bring five items and take five items. Yeah. And once and they're we're clean... Also actually, this year we're, we're going to be down in um, Ballamaloo House. They have um, a fair coming up there in May. So, and it's Forgotten Skills. So that's the part that we're going to be involved in. Well, like sewing up buttons and replacing broken well, you zips. You know, people and... have sewing machines that they don't know how to use. <laughs> it's a very simple thing. We'll just help people to to um, actually tackle that. I see. I see. I see. All right. Once the stuff is clean, 
Yes, that's important. Yeah, I think you know you need to bring what you would you would um, like to receive. You know, um, clean clothes are a must. Yeah, right. at the very least. Yeah. Good luck with it. Continued success to you. Super. Thanks very much, Peter, for having us on. Cheers, Claire. Pleasure and good luck to you. Enjoy with the continued success of those swap. Getting raises a whole talking point though about why we do hold on to our clothes. My wife is constantly on at me. I have jeans that are as old as myself and I will never get into them again. They will never close on me. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I keep shirts. If I like a particular kind of shirt, I will buy all the colours in that shirt and keep them until they literally rot off of my shoulders. It's just a thing. I, I, I tend to get very fond of various items of clothes. I think everybody does. We kind of get emotionally attached to our clothes. We've a, a family friend who in a previous life, and I mean a very previous life, we're talking maybe 30 years ago, certainly 25 years ago, was in Aer Lingus and still has or had up to recently um, the uniforms still had no hope of ever getting into them again and they like no one's ever going to buy them but they were there just couldn't bear to part with them or did you keep is there a particular item of clothing that you keep or that you kept because it just it bonds you to something like for women did you did you keep the dress you wore for the first date with with himself um I know that the night I met my wife um that dress went straight into the bin the dress she was wearing because I spilled a pint of Guinness over it that's how my missus and I met uh, she came up I was DJing at a party and uh, she was at the party and she asked me to play a song for her and she said she'd buy me a pint in return for you know a little bit of bribery and corruption in the DJ world hey that is what it is <laughs> and I pointed Guinness and I promptly sat down then at the break we sat down to chat and I promptly spilled the pint of Guinness down the front of the white dress he was wearing she still married me poor woman that dress went in the bin um, babies first baby grow loads of people do I see them actually sometimes with them framed you know they get framed and put on the wall and like the little shoes and all that. Baby's first baby grow. Do you still, men, do you still have your wedding suit? <laughs> I don't think, I can't think of any man who has his wedding suit. Most of us rent them now, don't we? Most men rent their wedding suit. I know the, the wedding dress, the, herself, Queen Bee's wedding dress is still in the attic. Um, a lot of wedding dresses used to get kept and cut down into a christening robe for the first child uh, but they still keep the rest of it <laughs> what is the, what is the thing about keeping old old stuff babies baby um, was there a summer like summer dresses for the four days of the year that women get to wear them in Ireland at least to keep that another one the kids first school uniform do you ever keep they have them worn out by Christmas but do you keep them do you have anything that you just will not part with. Some old item of clothing that you just will not part with. I have a pair of tracksuit ends, old joggers. They, I have them for years. They are 
rotting off of me. But until such time as they come out of the washing machine in tatters, uh, I won't throw them out. I just love the things. They're comfortable. I slop around the house in them. I do DIY in them. I sit and watch the snooker in them. Um, There's no emotional attachment. I just love them. But do you keep clothes for particular occasions? Do you still have your wedding suit? Do you still have your wedding dress? Do you still have your child's first school uniform? And why? Did you work for a company years ago? Like, okay. If you worked for Dunn's or Tesco's or whatever, do you still have your uniform? Those kind of things. And if so, why? Just wanted to broaden out that conversation a little. Ah, yeah, you see, you're keeping stuff. You're keeping stuff and you're wondering now that I've said it. Why are you keeping it? If you still wear it and it's grand, fine. (laughs) If you can still get some use out of it or whatever, then that's different. But why would you keep something in the attic from 20, 30 years ago? Like, why would you keep an old work uniform or... The wedding dresses I can understand because should they pay the price of a small second-hand car for some wedding dresses, it wouldn't be parting with that, like. But there's a few of them coming in. Kira, Kira, my mother's wedding dress was turned into a christening, a christening robe and a bonnet. That's from Kira in, in Grange. Um, 39 years ago. They still have it. Still, I still have all my babies. Hospital outfits. Why? Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Now, we were hoping to get to this yesterday, but ran short of time. It happens sometimes. Maria Piper, you had a good turnout on Sunday in Kinsale for people just trying to get a better deal for 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 you down there, for the fun fair down there. Morning. Morning. How, How are you, PJ? Ah, sure. Great altogether. How far back does the association between Kinsale and Pipers go? Oh, they're there over 90 years. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been, um, we'd say my uncle would have started it down there. And then his son, my cousin, took it on. And now his son is there carrying on the, the fun fair in consent. So they're over 90 years down there. Always down in the town park and the little wagon down there near, right. near Dino's. Where, when did things begin to get awkward? That's a little history lesson for us, I suppose. Um, I suppose now, PJ, I wouldn't be the right person to go back into the history of it, Brendan would, but as far as I know, really, it all started, really. I suppose, really, after the pandemic, really, I suppose, yeah. when he was going to go back in there, and then he had problems there. They wanted the the wagon moved from the short key. Yeah. They wanted that taken away and it was there for years and then he took that away. And then when they wanted to go back into the ground to build up, they wanted a bond of 60,000 euros. For what? He, yeah, and he just doesn't have it. For what Simple did they want that. it? What? In case the tarmac would be damaged and it would need to be repaired. Nice. So, yeah. Now, Previous to that, in years gone by, there was always stone in there. I don't know why it was tarmac, but, you know, that's up to themselves. That yeah, was they, their did, own they did resurface decision, it. You know? I remember, I remember them resurfacing it, it yeah. 
did it. They did resurface it. And um, just a bond of 60,000 is just not there. You couldn't do that. You couldn't justify it. I mean, the season is too short as well, TJ, you know? Yeah, what is the season season there? The season's only three months, really. He'll open up in May, June, July, and he'll finish then again the end of August. I see. Do you know? Because he's permanent. Yes. You know, he's not a travelling fund fair, yes. so his season is very short. So they want him to lodge 60,000? Yeah. Be- before he opens? Before he opens, and along with that venture, he can't build up some of his stuff, like he can't build up the swinging boat, because they will need to be staked into the ground. So therefore, he can't use them, because they that will damage your tarmac. Oh, for goodness sake. So that, that, yeah, that's one piece of his equipment he cannot put up, so... I'm sure you... Between, Pipers isn't Pipers without the swing boats. No, they're not. That's one of the old features of exactly. Pipers, you know? Exactly. Yeah, but they just... They won't be able to go up, even if the bond was 800. Now, they, he can't put them up now because he cannot drive stakes into the ground. Nice. Because of the tarmac. Mm-hmm. It's awful, really. It's awful. You know, a man trying to make a living, you know, yeah. give fun to the community. That's what it's all about as well. But I don't know. But it was a great turnout on Sunday, PJ. Yes. Great turnout. Yes, and the Showman's Guild and all turned up. I saw the And the picture. Showman's Guild turned up, yeah. That was a... Uh, Another first cousin of mine, Christopher, he came with the showman's guild flag, he did, and he spoke. It just goes to show how much loved. that Our traditions are loved, Maria. And yes, things change and tarmac goes down and all that, but but it's a tradition. The the moving of the truck, is that back, by the way, the wagon? No, no, it's not. No, Can it it go back? At the moment, no. They're fighting to try and bring it back onto short key as well. No, at the moment, as far as I know, it's out and Brendan's out but near you, Union Hall. It was it was never bothering anybody. No, never bothered anybody at all. It was always well kept. Stop. And again, it was there for donkey's ears, you know. Mm, it was. It never bothered anybody. No one ever had any complaints about it. So don't know why it all came out of the mm. blue, really. It's not, I mean, it's not like it was blocking anybody. It's not like you couldn't... Yeah, that no That's right, and it's not like it was drawing people in and out of it, you know, undesirables or anything like that. Like it was just there, you know. People mm. were getting photographs with it; they were delighted. They could have a look into it, see how it was long ago. Um, I don't so know. It's just at this stage, there will be no fun fair this summer. As of now, yes, as far as I know, there will be no fun fair unless something drastic happens now over the next few days. Because, like, as I said to you, his time is running out. Yes. He'll have to start building up. He'll have to start bringing the loads in. It all takes time. Yes, yes. So, as of now, mm. no change. Yeah. With regard to the swing boats, like, there's no way, for example, he could get concrete blocks to anchor it with. Tie it no. To, no? No, PJ. No, they would have to be staked into the ground, you know? Mm. They have to be staked. I know that from our own at home there when we had them long ago. Sure, they yeah. have to be staked in. Yeah. Uh, I, I, remember, I remember going on them years ago down in Douglas. And like, <laughs> they were, they, they, I remember the stakes going in like, they were long. Yeah. I mean, they would hold, they, they, they'd hold back a river, them stakes. They were fantastic. They would. They would. Yeah, they would. Wow. They would. Well, so. it's, it's sad. You'd hope it can be solved. You'd hope the county council can come to some agreement. I know you've got, you seem to have a lot of local political support for sure they have indeed 
they have and it was absolutely great now to see them all out you know on Sunday it was great it was it it was just a good feeling just like I hope it will help that something will come out of it you know you'd hope so 60,000 is an awful lot to expect a yes. family business to lodge before they open the door and take so much as one fair. Uh, Maria, thank you. Uh, Maria Piper from Piper's Fun Fair. 0818969696. Even if they did get it back tomorrow, that's sad that they can't do the swinging boats anymore. They gotta be. That's another thing we might talk about another day. But the, the, I, of all the, of all the flashy and high tech fairground rides that they've ever been. There's nothing to beat the good old-fashioned swing boat. I always thought you could have great fun in them. You certainly wouldn't go into them after a couple of pints in a curry, but you could have fun in them. Clothes, Kaz, what is it that you keep? Morning. Hi, uh, Hussein. Um, yeah, I have, I have um, my dad's dressing gown. So he died in 1990 when I was 12. Okay. And um, it, it still had his aftershave on it because he had been wearing it inside the hospital. So um, I kept that. That was my thing that I grabbed. And I was saying to, to Emer in the text there, I don't think I watched it until I was about 18, which is probably really gross. <laughs> but the smell was lovely. If you were having a bad day or feeling a bit lonely, like some good old shit off the life. <laughs> I still wear it around the house. Like my kids are like, you know, the time the gym's dressing gum one and loads of holes in it. Like, I'm like, yeah, still going to wear it. <laughs> 1990. You... 1990. It's hard to keep it. Oh, it's right. Well, no, I mean, the body of it is grand, but the elbows are gone. <laughs> gone. Yeah. Yeah. They've survived three dogs, though, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs just sleep and anything like that, they'll pull it down and sleep. That's it, yeah, but they have to fight me first. <laughs> yeah. that's, and, and that'll stay with you. You're, that's going nowhere. That's it. Oh, that's probably going to be buried with me. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Kaz. Thank you. Not the best line in the world. She keeps her dad's. Dressing gown. He died in 1990 when she was 12. Didn't wash it until she was 18 because the smell of his aftershave was in it. That's nice. That's nice. I have my kids' umbilical cords and wrist tags they had when they were born. And their first curls and first shoes. They're 18 and 13 now. That's from Diane and Cove. I know the wrist tags and, and the curls. You actually have their umbilical cords. How do you keep? How do you keep the the actual? How do you keep that? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I got a North Face jacket as a gift nine years ago. Um, it's been through the wars. It ripped a bit in areas. I stitched it up and it rips again. My brother would love to burn it. I love it. It's like my comfort blanket. I still wear it. I've been treated kindly as a homeless person on occasions, and that's been. I've been, I've been treated like a homeless person. <laughs> so wrecked is the old jacket that someone thought you were a homeless person. I know I probably shouldn't laugh, but it's funny. Uh, PJ, I still have three baby dresses that I wore as a one-year-old 14 years ago. My mom kept them for me, and I love having them, says Sarah. Why, though, Sarah? Why? Like, it's not like you can... Oh, look, if if you're emotionally tied to it, you're emotionally tied to it. I've learned a long time ago not to try to explain stuff like that. PJ, on keeping stuff from work, I still have my five-star work badge from McDonald's from the 90s. Remember the tartan blue? Oh, I do. Oh, I do. 
Mind you, I remember one time, do you remember Statoil? Was it Statoil? Whatever it is now, CK or whatever they call it now. Um, Circle K. They used to be Statoil one time and they had a, a stripy, kind of a rugby shirt uniform. Um, and I liked them. I thought they were very colourful and bright. And a friend of mine was working in the Statoil and he got me one. <laughs> and I wore it. I can eat it. Just got out the colours of it. 0818-96-96-96. Right. Now, there was... You, you may have seen this over St. Patrick's Day. There's a very popular TikToker, Nothing But Nelly. Her name is Danielle Mullen. She goes TikTok under Nothing But Nelly. Uh, she's from Denver, Colorado. But she was in Cork on St. Patrick's Day. And she got herself into a small little bit of grief when she said, oh, look, there's a band from Colorado in an Irish, small Irish town. Now, I thought she didn't do any harm. But people got up on their hind legs and got very haughty and bothered and upset. And Danielle, nothing but Nelly, called Cork a small Irish town. She had to apologize. No, she didn't, but she decided she needed to apologize. But we wanted to find out more, Danielle. So, Denver, Colorado, to Cork via University of Newcastle, via volleyball. Where does all this start? Morning. Good morning. That's a great question. I played volleyball in Colorado at Colorado School of Mines. And once I graduated, I just kind of really didn't feel like working was the next step for me. I really wanted to go explore the world a little bit more. So I came to Newcastle University to play volleyball and continue my education and be able to explore all around Ireland, Scotland and England. And that's when my friends and I wanted to go to Cork for St. Patrick's Day. We thought it would be a really fun idea. Yeah. Um, so that's how we started our little journey. So I played a little bit of volleyball myself in school. Very badly, I might add. But I know <laughs> it, I know that in the States, it's a huge sport. It's, it's very, very big. I've played for over 10 years now. I started in seventh grade, so I was about 12. And it's almost like vars- varsity volleyball. It's almost semi-pro, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's very um that's one of the things that's been very different from playing volleyball here in England versus back in the states is the level of competition is just very different. I think that's why they kind of wanted to recruit some Americans just mm. to kind of recruit that experience over. So then Ireland, had you ever been here? I have been to Dublin once with my mom, but that's it. That was back in November. September of last year. Okay. So then your friends said, let's go to Cork. My roommate's whole family, her whole heritage was from Cork. (laughs) She did the genetics testing. And so she was showing all of us, all of her old relatives that where they lived and what their story was back in Ireland. You came here for the weekend and you came to the St. Patrick's Day Parade and there's a band from Colorado. I didn't actually notice it at first. Um, my roommate kind of tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, that's from Colorado. Is that, or she pointed to the sign and was like, hey, they're from Colorado. And I was like, what? And I looked over and it is one of my rival high schools. So you knew the school the band came from? Yep. It's like very, very close to where I live. 
With a name like Mullen, you've got to have Irish connections anyway, do you? I actually have no clue. I need to do my own research. Let me just say with regard to what happened on your TikTok after St. Patrick's Day, did you feel a bit of a, a bit of a backlash when it happened? You know, I did. And at first, you know, I, I had somebody reach out to me on Instagram and say, hey, look, you made the news. And I kind of was like, oh, wow, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, and then I, you know, I didn't really want to look into it myself just because I don't know. I didn't you guys remember how I pissed off really wanted. I wasn't sure if I wanted to know what that I made the news or where people were going with it. Um, and so that's why I release that apology video right after because I really didn't want people to be mad at me and um, wanted to make sure people knew it was just kind of a mistake, a silly thing that I, I thought of and didn't really think twice before, you know, choosing different words. Um, But yeah, and then I looked it up for myself and saw that it was in a lot of different news outlets. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, One thing about the Cork people we can, we can get, we can get very annoyed for for no reason, I think. Personally, I looked back at your TikTok and I thought, what's all the fuss about? How did the whole TikTok thing start for you? Uh, I started making videos last summer just because I've kind of seen how TikTok has the power of changing people's lives. If you gain a following and you, you know, start to find people who really resonate with you, it can truly change a lot of things about your life and I think that's pretty powerful and so I started you know making videos just for fun and now I've I've sort of gained a little bit of a following which has been really cool and being able to find people who are also very passionate about the things that I'm passionate about so that's why I kind of started making videos. Something else I noticed you like the weather in Cork. Mm-hmm. I personally I love a, a good overcast I also really like rain and I love I love the clouds. I don't know why. <laughs> like, take Denver. What's mm-hmm. the seasons like there? What's I mean, I know winters get really cold in Colorado. What does summer get like? Summer gets pretty hot. doesn't get record-breaking heat, but you definitely get very, very hot summers. And it, the seasons are very, I would say, not super extreme, but they, you know, summers get very hot and the winters get very cold. The fall is very gorgeous. Colorado is one of the most sunny states yeah. in the United States. We'd happily swap you some of your sunshine <laughs> for some of our cloud. Yeah, I can see how too much clouds would, would get boring pretty quick. Are you taking this call in Portugal? I, I know, I wish. We just got back from Portugal about two days ago. That was a volleyball yeah. tournament. How did that go? So our, every year, our Newcastle and a couple other universities go out to Portugal to do this tournament through um, a company called Deep Dish. Mm-hmm. And so we went out to Portugal a week early. We flew into Faro and then we drove to Lagos and stayed in Lagos for a little bit, drove to Portimao. And then kind of explored all of southern Portugal and into Spain for cool. three weeks, which was amazing. Well, Portugal's one of the favorite places for Cork people to go on holidays. Whoa, that's pretty cool. And, and Portimao is a big favorite. Wow. So you, you've got stronger ties to us than you might know. You need to look up this Mullen connection, Danielle. I do. I do need to look that up. I'm going to look that up right now. And you know what? Maybe the next time you come to Cork... You might go in and sit in studio and we'll chat. How's that? Yeah, that would be amazing. What if you did find Cork DNA somewhere? Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, that would be so fascinating. And that's what, you know, when my roommate was showing me, I really, 
really wanted to do my own DNA testing just to see where everybody's from. You know what, Danielle? We'll follow up on that. So you stay in touch with us. And if you find out Perfect. that you had any cork blood in you at all, I'd love to talk again. Yeah, sounds good. Have a good day. Take care. Thank you. You as well. Corks 96 FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.